friends, and welcome to Talking Movies. I'm Brian Lataki, and today we head to wartime Italy for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. It's a story you may think you know, but you don't. A story. Of the wooden boy. I feel as though you've been here before. The wooden boy with the borrowed soul. Be his son. Fill his days with light. We shall call you Pinocchio. Oh, what a day, what a day. A father's wish magically brings a wooden boy to life in Italy, giving him a chance to care for the child. Written by the team of Guillermo del Toro and Patrick McHale, based on the classic book by Carlo Collodi, and directed by Guillermo del Toro and Mark Gustafson, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio stars Ewan McGregor as Cricket, David Bradley as Geppetto, Gregory Mann as Pinocchio, Ron Perlman as Podesta, John Turturro as Dator, Finn Wolfhard as Candlewick, Kate Blanchett as Spazzatura, and features Tim Blake Nelson, Christoph Waltz, Tilda Swinton, and more. Guillermo del Toro has shown through many of his projects that he is an incredible creature designer, a master of the absurd, and an incredibly talented director. So what happens when he takes on a classic tale that was made beloved by a company like Disney? Well, I'm sure you're aware, but just in case, Disney tends to put fun and happy spins on normally dark fairy tales. Well, Guillermo does not. While there is some whimsy in the movie, mostly through Pinocchio or the Cricket, this movie has so many incredibly dark undertones that even Del Toro himself had a hard time saying if this movie was meant for kids or not. But ultimately, you're likely familiar with the Pinocchio story, and Del Toro doesn't stray too far from the actual book itself. Now, voice acting-wise, this movie is done incredibly well. It's difficult to pick up any specific standout, considering everyone did such a great job, and musically, this movie has a bit of a challenge. With such dark source material, how do you create a couple musical numbers. Well, they did, and they were really fun and magical, despite the looming threats of war. The actual stop-motion animation is incredibly well done, and Netflix even thought about you wanting more and released a behind-the-scenes show so that you can see the extent to which they went to create this movie. Overall, Pinocchio has always been a bit of a darker story. While Disney focused more on the magical fun side, Del Toro dives immediately into the realities of war and grief. He still does his best to keep it light with song and dance numbers, but there's a ton of dark subject matter he tackles head-on through the 117-minute runtime. Ultimately, I don't think this is a movie for little kids, but as a former kid myself that used to watch Pinocchio, this is a movie that you should definitely watch. I give Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio an A. Well, we've officially reached the holiday season and you want to look best when you're sitting around that table. And Nick and the team at Swish Barbershop at 844 St. Mary's Road are ready to line you up and make you look your best. Walk-ins are welcome or you can visit my barber by booking today at boybarbernick.com. I've just been handed an urgent news story. Cannonball! Let's get into movie news you can use and let's start it off with the debauchery that is the world of the DC Universe. <laughs> I got you! After all of the speculation around The Flash, it has been announced that The Flash, which was originally slated to release on June 23rd, 2023, will now release a week earlier on June 16th. This will account for a little bit more time between The Flash releasing and the release of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which is set to hit theaters on June 30th. That belongs in a museum! 
So do you. If you're a movie fan, I hope you have June circled in your calendar because along with The Flash and Dial of Destiny, we will also receive Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse on June 2nd and Transformers Rise of the Beasts on June 9th. Now, after announcing that change, James Gunn and Peter Safran have laid waste to what remains of the Zack Snyder DC Universe. According to The Hollywood Reporter, it has all but been confirmed that Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman 3 is considered dead in its current incarnation. The report stated that Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns submitted their treatment for Wonder Woman 3, but James Gunn, Peter Safran, and Warner Brothers Pictures co-chairs and co-CEOs Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi told Jenkins that it didn't fit in with the new but still unfolding plans. Please don't make me do this. The report also said that we are months out from Gunn and Safran unveiling their plan for the next 8 to 10 years for the DC Universe, and that they could stand to save tens of million dollars by not making Wonder Woman 3. Gal Gadot herself was set to receive $20 million for the sequel, while Patty Jenkins would have netted $12 million, not counting any back-end bonuses. Another report of The Hollywood Reporter went on to say that Man of Steel 2, which was just most recently hinted at, is also likely to be cut alongside Black Adam 2. Cavill was also expected to make a cameo in The Flash, but sources told The Hollywood Reporter that there's a debate inside the studio as whether or not to keep the cameo and if its inclusion promises something that studio would have no plans on delivering. In regards to Black Adam 2, there have been debates over whether Black Adam will turn a profit or not, with some saying that it could lose $50 million, while star Dwayne Johnson tweeted that it would net over $50 million when all was said and done. The report also claims that Johnson didn't win many fans with DC's new management after playing up the return of Henry Cavill and his own place in the DC franchise. The report also contained information regarding Jason Momoa, who still could have a role to play in the new DCU. After the upcoming release of Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom next year, Momoa could lead another DC movie or franchise, with The Hollywood Reporter mentioning the character of Lobo as a possibility. And again, while we're still months out from their plan, we're starting to see the shape of Saffron and Gunn's DC universe start to form. Honestly, I think we're all going to be dead way before that. And you know what? I don't mind. It's an honorable end. Superman's a no-show. You got no powers, no offense. This guy might be working for the enemy, we don't know. You're tripping over your feet and mine. Another project that was also officially scrapped was a new Batman movie starring Michael Keaton. According to Jeff Snyder, the host of the Hot Mike's podcast, Flash writer Christina Hodson was in the process of writing a spinoff that revolved around Michael Keaton's Batman. The spinoff would have served as a reboot with Keaton playing an older Bruce Wayne mentoring a new Cape Crusader. After digging done by Umberto Gonzalez from The Wrap, it was said that the script was an adaptation of Batman Beyond, a story that involved Terry McGinnis as the new Dark Knight under an older Bruce's tutelage. Keaton will be returning as the Cape Crusader in the upcoming Flash movie and was also featured in the shelved Batgirl film. After news of all the cancellations, it comes as no surprise that Twitter had started to attack James Gunn. Twitter trolls began attacking James Gunn, saying that he does not like Henry Cavill, to which Gunn replied that that's downright untrue. The tweeter then responded, saying he was relaying what dozens of people told him, where Gunn shut him down with a classic schoolyard jab of, so weird, you seem so plugged in. Anyways, I just had 40 people reach out to me saying you got kicked out of your mom's basement. So sorry, man. During the Game Awards last week at the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles, Keegan-Michael Key, who'll be playing Toad in the upcoming film, released the first clip for the anticipated animated film, The Super Mario Brothers Movie. Excuse me, everybody, coming through! This guy's brother is going to die imminently! Out of the way, please! 
just trying to clear a path. That's all I'm doing. He's going to be fine. The Super Mario Brothers movie, which releases on April 7th, 2023, includes the voice talents of Chris Pratt, Anya Taylor-Joy, Charlie Day, Jack Black, Keegan-Michael Key, Seth Rogen, Fred Armisen, Kevin Michael Richardson, and Sebastian Maniscalco. In other upcoming projects, it has been confirmed that Taylor Swift is about to start her directorial debut for Searchlight Pictures. In a statement, Searchlight Pictures president David Greenbaum and Matthew Greenfield said that, quote, Taylor is a once-in-a-generation artist and storyteller. It is a genuine joy and privilege to collaborate with her as she embarks on this exciting and new creative journey. No plot details have been released on the project, meaning that the project is a blank space. Swift has done movies before with her first big screen appearance in 2010's romantic comedy Valentine's Day with another supporting role in 2014's The Giver. She had a voice role in the Illuminations The Lorax. Oh, hi, Ted. Did your ball land in my backyard again? And was also featured in Cats and David O. Russell's Amsterdam. Deadline is reporting that the Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel is gearing up for pre-production and that they have tapped Gil Keenan to direct the movie. Keenan co-wrote Ghostbusters Afterlife alongside director Jason Reitman, but Reitman has confirmed he is stepping down for the sequel. Gil Keenan said, quote, It's an absolute honor to pick up the Proton Pack and step behind the camera for the next chapter of the Spangler family saga. I just wish I could go back to 1984 and tell the kid in the sixth row at the Man Valley West that one day he was going to direct a Ghostbusters film. Reitman isn't leaving entirely, as him and Keenan will both co-write the script, and it's also been reported that the ensemble cast, including Paul Rudd and Carrie Coon, will both return for the sequel. Over in the rumor mill, with the success of its release, Violent Night is potentially looking at at getting a sequel. The Hollywood Reporter had an interview with director Tommy Wercola where he started to hint at it a little bit. He said, quote, of course the writers have talked about it and I've thrown some ideas out there. We don't see the North Pole, we don't see Mrs. Claus, and we don't see the elves. There were a few ideas that we loved in the script, but we had to cut them because we couldn't afford to shoot them. It's such a cliche to say, but we all had a blast doing this film, so I really hope we get to explore it more. The interviewer then joked about the possibility of actress Numi Rapis, who had already collaborated with the director twice on movies, where Wercola responded by laughing, saying, quote, she would make an amazing Mrs. Claus. Crazily enough, I haven't even thought about casting that role yet, but she would be great. Sticking with the rumor mill, it has been confirmed that Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker are both in talks to return for Rush Hour 4. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? During a recent appearance at the Red Sea Film Festival, Jackie Chan confirmed that he is in talks to make another installment of the series, and while speaking to the audience, said that he was meeting with the director later that evening. During a visit to Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson podcast, Ice Cube has confirmed that the reason we have haven't seen a new Friday movie is that Warner Brothers currently holds the rights to the film and will not relinquish them. Ice Cube said, quote, I don't know what they're doing. We'd love to have it back. I think it's going to be close to a time when we get it back. So we'll either wait for that time or we'll keep trying to convince them that they need to let us control the movie. It's my movie, but they have distribution control. It was then suggested that Ice Cube could pay some money in order to get it back, to which he replied, quote, I ain't putting up for it. No, they need to give it to me and they're going to make money. I'm not about to pay for my own stuff. That's stupid. They need to do the right thing. Get it to us. Let us turn it into more money and make the fans happy. We can do a lot with it. Put it in your mouth. Shut up. Ice Cube revealed earlier this year that he has ideas for two potential Friday sequels, including one in which his and Mike Epps characters Dada go to jail for selling pot. Over on the small screen, it has been confirmed that Mike Flanagan, who's responsible for Gerald's game and Dr. Sleep, is pushing forward on creating his dream project, which is an adaptation of Stephen King's The Dark Tower. Last week, Flanagan and his partner, Trevor Macy's company Intrepid Pictures, signed a multi-year series deal with Amazon Studios, moving on from their previous deal with Netflix. 
Flanagan also confirmed that he has the rights to the Dark Tower after he sent Stephen King an incredibly detailed outline. And finally, we once again end with sad news. It has been confirmed that Cheers star Kirstie Alley has passed away at the age of 71 after a brief battle with cancer. Kirstie is probably best known for playing Rebecca Howe on the NBC sitcom Cheers after being brought in to replace Shelley Long in the sixth season. She would go on to win a Golden Globe and an Emmy for her work on the series, and after Cheers came to an end, she starred in her own series, Veronica's Closet, in which she played the owner of a lingerie company in New York City. She would make multiple appearances in Wings as her Cheers character, Dharma and Greg, Hot in Cleveland, The Middle, Scream Queens, The Goldbergs, and more, and also starred in films like Look Who's Talking, Village of the Damned, Deconstructing Henry, and Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. That's it for this episode of Talking Movies. Follow me on social media at Talking Movies PC and download full-length episodes on all of your favorite podcast platforms. And as always, the one thing that makes life precious, you see, is how brief it is. It is.